Bazinka! And welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Gerald, and Mark. And today we will be talking about .NET 6 Preview 1. So stay tuned. So before we dive into our main topic of the day, we are here in our glorious studio. I'm seeing these other two guys, Gerald starting to look more and more like Justin Bieber, Mark, (laughs) sort of fresh cut hair. I myself, I'm also becoming quite the droopy fellow with my long gur hair. And I think Gerald shared a picture on his Twitter as well about his his fabulous hairdo. Um, mm-hmm. So that should give you some idea of when this is being recorded. But do we do we miss barbers yet, guys? I mean, Mark, you you had a, a semi-professional do it, but so, so I think Switzerland is quite lax. If you if I compare it to Germany, I live quite close to Germany as do you two guys. And so yeah, so the, the barbers here are open, so you can get your hair cut when you want. The garden centers are open. I I can't I can't complain. You know, I it's a uh, there are safety restriction rules, so you have to wear masks and stuff like that. But yeah, it's um, it's a luxury. Yeah, we're we're f- fresh out of or still in actually lockdown, and everything got elongated all the way up until second of March, I believe. Yeah, and what happens so. then? We don't know, but no, and that's the thing, right? Because we got there's rumors now. That's how it's been going for the past few weeks that there's rumors in the weekend and on monday like what's going to happen and you know the uh more more conspiracy theory like persons um or you know i don't know other people uh might think that the the government is doing that on purpose to to see how the new measurements uh the new decisions will settle in with the people and then they can still decide otherwise if that's what they want um so the rumors are that the barbers are opening up again on march 2nd um so i made an appointment march 2nd 9 a.m boom i'm gonna get a haircut because it's time uh, but, you know, more seriously, um, of course, there's people who have it much worse. And if my hair is the biggest problem right now, yes. then we're still very As lucky. Um, but, you know, that's uh, uh, it's it's we have to make a bit of fun ourselves sometimes. So. Yeah, I think the, the best way to go about it is to at least make some humor out of it because the, the situation isn't going to do it itself. So <laughs> else we'll just have episodes where we are crying. Yeah, <laughs> not a not a good look. No, and we and we tried those, and uh, it, yeah. trust me, you don't want to live through one of yeah. those. The, the pilot audience was unanimous, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> not a good, not a good look. Um, yeah, so something that we shouldn't be crying about. .NET preview, the new one six. I was crying with luck. Crying with luck. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it's a different kind of crying, but. <laughs> It, I'll allow it. Um, so, guys, what what's up? You've been keeping track of this. What 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 happened? We have a preview. You just you just threw that onto me. I was completely in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. It just came bam along. Um, so .NET six preview one is out, and it's the next version of .NET, and it should be released later this year. And it will continue on unifying the platform. So with .NET 5, 
there was already the goal uh, that was then pushed back to .NET 6 due to some pandemic that is currently still going on. And so they will unify the platforms, macOS, Android, and iOS. So one could say the Xamarin part is now also moving into .NET. And with that comes further unification. So that means uh, a lot of the standard functionality that we had to use now by a .NET standard, for example, will be then just in the .NET framework. This does not mean that there is no longer any mono. There will still be a runtime, so there will still be multiples around, but the framework will be one to rule them all. Yeah, because so the thing is going to be if we take a little step back, like, you know, the, the, this journey started with .NET 5, where we're going to have the going back to that one .NET. So now no more .NET framework, .NET core, .NET standard. There's just going to be one .NET. Um, and with that, you can do all the things, right? And together with that, they have a new release schedule. So .NET 5 was released uh, together with uh, launched at, at .NET Conf in November 2020. Um, and from that point in time, we are now going to see a release every year. So .NET 6 is planned for 2021, uh, November and then .NET 7 is going to be November 2022. Um, and then each odd year, I think, because 2021, yes, is going to be a long-term support version. Um, so that's cool too. So you have one year, which is just, you know, uh, the in-between version, and then you have the long-term support one. Um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, going back to like that Xamarin part of things, um, I don't know why that is, but possibly because of the name and how it all comes together. But now Xamarin is still, you know, like this separate entity, this separate solution for the apps mostly. Um, but now I was talking to someone the other day and while talking, I had this epiphany, if you will. Hmm. And I'm now enlightened ah. um, because, yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, I saw, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep a straight face here, Gerald, but you yeah, enlightened that's, that's, that's uh... Yeah, it's, I, it surprised me too. <laughs> uh, but uh, now with moving into .NET, .NET 6, uh, the whole part, which was formerly known as Xamarin, is now going to be like the cross-platform strategy for .NET and for Microsoft, right? So it's not going to be just Android and iOS anymore, but it's going to be macOS, Android, iOS, uh, possibly more, UWP, let's not forget that one. Um, possibly more, you can run all the bits on, on Linux if you want that already. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. It's not just going to be, you know, that little side project from Microsoft anymore. It's going to be the dot net uh, the yeah the cross platform um, um strategy for for net so that is pretty cool yeah i believe i heard you could boot up a terminal type dot net new android and you'll get a fancy spiffy android project dot net run starts an emulator um so yeah that i mean how much more integrated do you want to get if you're in the console dot net then you've made it Exactly. I mean, then, hmm. then, wow, you're just, boom, you've made it. That's, yeah. I mean, who needs fancy UIs when you can execute your stuff in a terminal? I mean, I don't. Next next step is just that terminal, ASCII art, um, yeah. emulators. Or, and or we could put a button just... over that. Just think about it. So instead of punching hmm. multiple keys, you just have to click a button. Hmm. Am I sounding like an old grumpy man when I say this? Too, too early for this kind of sarcasm? <laughs> I don't know. All right, but other than that, other than that, what do we have more? Well, what I heard is they are also adopting some sort of more open planning 
process with .NET. Um, so they, I think I saw a few of these tweets fly by on GitHub as well, um, where you have like the, the themes and the epics and the user stories and all the prior, priorities in, in place and all that good stuff. Um, so that we as, as consumers of .NET um, get more of a sense of where this thing is in its, in its entire process right now. Um, what we can expect to see in the in the upcoming preview releases, all that good stuff, um, and I think the those features on GitHub are sort of newer, I believe. I'm not quite sure, but um, like these these bigger, broader planning discussion view type things. But yeah, they're putting it all out there in the. I think it's the themes of .NET um, app that they they have for that where they have all these themes lined up for you to see and i've been checking it out a bit but it, it looks pretty cool yeah i really like the aspect that uh, more of the dotnet development is now in the open and people can see the discussions or you can follow along or you can even chime in if you have some opinions or some feedback to the team while they are working on stuff and you've seen this trend generally going on in the development space uh, from Microsoft that a lot more is being in, done in the open. And I really like that, uh, especially, I mean, you touched on .NET MAUI and .NET MAUI will be the future of all client desktop development. Uh, it's also the base for one thing that I have been eyeballing with a lot lately, and that is Blazor. So what Blazor desktop apps is also a thing that will be coming in .NET 6. And with the Blazor desktop apps, uh, for one, I believe it's based actually on MAUI. So the fundamental stuff that they're building right now with MAUI uh, will be reused in Blazor. And with Blazor desktop, what you can do is uh, you can write desktop apps uh, using the Blazor syntax. It's based on an Electron style app, but you can also mix and match it with uh, real native components. So I think there is a demo out there that shows it you running on macOS where you use some uh, Swift, I think, even components that you then interact with uh, with a Blazor app. And there's another one that highlights running on Windows using WPF native components. And I really like how these things are coming together with Blazor and what it will enable us. And especially thinking about, uh, since it's based on .NET MAUI, this also opens up the doors for uh, Blazor mobile bindings uh, even more. So who knows? Maybe one day uh, we will be able to conquer the web and the desktop with uh, one front-end language, just looking a lot prettier than Java did in all gray. Who knows? Finally, finally, that would be good. Yeah, I'm still not sold on that strategy. I don't know. It still feels that all the web and mostly the like the the form factors like you know the i'm looking at my ultra widescreen thing here and then i'm looking at my little phony thing here um which is already quite big but you know it's still a different form factor so i'm, I'm not really sure if that's ever going to work to have like the exact same code sharing for all these things i mean sure your backend code can be shared but that's already something that you can do today because it's all c sharp it's all net so that's great uh, but I do feel that, you know, at some point you have to make the decision like, hey, I'm going to make an actual desktop app here um, and I want to make an actual mobile app or web page. 
uh, they all still have to act different. There's there's probably use cases, and you know who who knows they might pull it off uh, with some cool magic um, and actually make it work for all these things. But I don't see that really happening at all. Maybe. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's wishful thinking from my end. But uh, since Zarin Forms has been around, I've always been living this dream that one day. Who knows? You'll be able to write one UI that is responsive and it will look different uh, on different device sizes, but you could share that logic because even though you can share a lot of code using C Sharp for front-end and back-end, I tend to see that there are some differences. I mean, there are some libraries that we reuse, like uh, when we think about JSON serialization, that will be the same on front as it is on backend. But usually on the clients, you got some different kind of problems that you have to solve than there is on the server. So there will always be that diff. And I mean, sure, I can see that a browser acts differently than your native app. So on a browser, you're in a sandbox and you might not be able to do all the things that you were able to do in your WPF uh, desktop application. But one might say that the UI rendering part, maybe we could do something there. I don't know. I, I'll I'll stay wishful here or hopeful here that this thing will come to us and I will be able to write one hello world and it will appear everywhere. Everywhere. I uh I I am somewhere in between, I suppose. I I think it could happen, but I don't see it happen soon. <laughs> like like .NET six, probably not. Seven, not, eight. Probably not. Somewhere well, later. <laughs> yeah, I think it's targeted to the mobile bindings. I think I heard that it's targeted for seven or eight. I'm I'm not sure. I think the plans are not yet that final to there, or I've never seen any super final plans for those versions. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm just streaming on here. I, I don't care what you two say. You just wait. You just wait. <laughs> One day we'll make a pod, or Mark says. I told you. I told, told you so. Remember yeah. episode X? That was the one <laughs> I told yeah. you. Yeah, sounds good. Let's wait for that then. Will we <laughs> wait the entire episode for that or just... Yeah, I'll just hold my breath. Okay, good luck. So what I, what I was also... I've, I've done a bit of reading up before, but um, what I also saw flying by was the, the faster inner loop. Have any ideas on what that term means? Because it sounds very cool, but... And fast. And fast. And fast. And hot. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. Hot, yeah. Hot. So, I mean, we already have, I don't know actually what this is referring to, to uh, in terms of like the XAML stuff, because we already have the XAML hot reload. Um, so hot reload for UI editing, we already have that. But I think, and I'm not sure on the exact timeline, if that's going to be in coming previews. Uh, but you, they're also working on C-sharp hot reload. So basically, if they can pull that off and um, it will be fully incorporated, you can just you know change your C-sharp code uh, and it will be injected or whatever they do um, into your running app. And basically, you don't have to ever stop and restart your whole debugging process again. So you can just you know change all the things in your code, save it, and just like um, XAML hot reload today, um, it will show up on your screen. And today, again, like what you can understand from the name, it only works for XAML because that's a little bit easier to interpret. But um, they're also working on the C-sharp 
uh, bits for that. So that is pretty cool. But I don't know. Is there anything other that uh, is is making that? Oh, I think actually now that I'm talking about it, I remember. Um, I think they also made the XAML hard reload more incremental, right? Because before it would reload the whole page. Um, and now it will only reload like the section that you're editing. So probably, you know, if you look at it from like the um, XAML, uh, the, the, the XML point of view, it will only reload like the, the actual node that you're um, editing. I think that might be a little bit of a um, speed enhancement there. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Do you do you know of any other speed enhancement things? Do, do um, you know of any other? I mean... C sharp and IL code being able to edit that on the fly without having to reload the app. That's not good enough for Mr. Gerald. Huh? I mean, no, come on, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I mean, to keep in mind, I think the hot reloads on Xamarin Forms, uh, it's been around for quite some time. I know they have improved it uh, over time. And now today you could actually even write your UWP apps using hot reload, which I think is also quite cool. Though I'm not doing that many UWP apps for production as not in that many zero right now. But um, I think it's really cool because uh, UWP, if you're on a Windows machine, it still is a very fast development environment. And having that instantaneous feedback is really cool. And right now I, I always hate that moment when you change the UI and then you think, oh, now I just have to make this little change in my view model. And then you have to stop the app, rebuild it, take two zips of coffee, and then you can continue. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I think this will be really great and it will keep you in your inner loop. So you won't have to have these uh, pauses in between when you change your code. Um, yeah, that's a, a really cool one. Another thing that I've heard that will be coming around, and I'm so sure Stephen is all over this one, is ARM64 support. ARM64, boy, I I want nothing more than a, a MacBook M1 thingy. Um, nah, it's it's. I mean, ARM64 is like the the performance thing that's happening right now, right? So it, the the M1 machines and and all that good stuff. I'm I'm personally, even though Mark said it, I'm not that much of a speed buff. I mean, I have my MacBook from I don't know 2017, 15. I don't even know. Um, it runs, it runs fine. I I'm quite easily satisfied, I suppose. Um, I'm not that much of a hardware techie guru. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're developing, I think performance is, is key, especially like we just mentioned, like the, the inner dev loop parts. Um, that helps you, obviously, but having the actual machine hardware um, and, and your apps being optimized for that, uh, that, that obviously makes a difference as well. And even though, like Mark said, all these performance improvements, it, it cuts down on the amount of coffee you can take in because you're having less breaks in between. But um, I, I do think that, uh, especially with like the, I think they showed a demo um, of WPF running on a ARM64 machine and on, on the Mac silicone things. Um, and, and what they've said at least is that they will support all that stuff on the... Uh, on the silicon, which is which, as in and of itself, quite quite cool to uh, to have. But I I don't have a silicon machine, so 
Let's change that. Let's change that. When's your birthday? I know when your birthday is. Yeah. I think you can't get them anymore, the the initial development devices. I think they got like caught back and now that you have to give them back, but they think they had to depose like some amount of money to get one. And you can now use that money to buy yourself an M1 Mac machine. Oh, did you get the money back? I thought you were that was just gone. I thought you had to pay like $750. It's less getting it back. I think it's more like you get a voucher that you can then use oh, towards that some very specific typical. devices. But right, right, but right. I think the thing is you have to send in the development uh, thing that you could get. I mean, I I never applied for one, so I don't know how the experience is. Um, I, I usually, when whenever I get like these prototype devices, they I go like, oh yes, this is really cool, and it stays at that stage in the box until a, lot, a long time later, and then I wrap it down so that yeah, I I I never got around trying it because if it's not um, something I really have to do, I tend to postpone most things. But uh, yeah, talking about ARM64, I think this is actually quite cool. I mean, one thing, uh, Stephen, you mentioned it, there's the Mac M1 uh, machines, so the Mac Minis and the MacBook Pros and the MacBook Air. And those, I think, really have brought forward this discussion about ARM-based devices. We even made an episode about this. So um, I always like to say, if you're bored after this one or after the next cup of tea, coffee, sleep, whatever you do after this episode, um, yeah, go and check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. And as we're saying there, the M1 really kicks stuff off with ARM-based devices. Uh, it seems to be a very powerful machine, very capable machine. But also in the Windows world, we got the Surface Pro X and some other ARM-based chips are coming out, laptops. And a lot of them are ARM64 chips. So they got 64-bit operating systems on them. And having .NET run on those systems is for one call for developing, also for clients, so you can have your apps running uh, at full speed and not in a stutter speed, which makes you crazy. But another thing that I have heard up on is that you actually can now have machines that are ARM-based running in the cloud. And uh, one reason there is, uh, as far as I understand, it's just a lot cheaper because ARM-based devices, they don't heat up as much, so they use less energy. If you've got a closet full of CPUs, that can make quite a difference on the bill. And if the performance is right for your web server running on an ARM-based machine, I mean, why not just go for the cheaper option? I'm all right, Mr. Backend Developer, Gerald. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, is this, I don't know if that's specific. Sure, it also applies to to backend services where you are probably, you know, you can appreciate some more speed always. Uh, but, you know, everything runs faster in general. So, um, yes, also your backend stuff, absolutely. Um, so that would be cool uh, whenever we get that, you know, in a server situation and we can start running that uh, on there as well. And I still see, you know, a lot of reports. Uh, again, this is probably specific to the Mac M1 chip mostly, but uh, still see people who are very surprised and happy with uh, how that's going. And um that they still cannot wrap their heads around, like why this sudden boost of speed and battery life and um, energy efficiency and that kind of stuff, uh, where it suddenly came from. Uh, why? What did we do to deserve this? It's it's amazing. Uh, so that's cool. So what else do we got? Talking about backend stuff, I think there's also um, some work done on um, containers. Um, I'm not really the person uh, to talk about containers i feel i don't have a lot of experience but um 
you know, it will probably also there be about speed, about efficiency. So um, uh, containers are also about scaling. So probably um, some work is done on improving that scalability to, you know, uh, be more efficient about that, uh, reduced size of the images. Um, is there still something, does anyone know, does this also have to do with like the Windows containers? Uh, because I know that's a thing, but I'm not sure if it's actively developed or being looked at or what's going on in that space. That's a, that's a good question. I would have to check up in the, on the Windows side. But I know that the .NET team has been investing into providing their own containers. So you can have a .NET image running on various Linux operating systems. I know Ubuntu is one, Red Hat and Debian come to mind. Alpine is another one. Yeah, I've probably forgotten one or two there. But the cool thing is with the standardized images is you can pull them from the trusted Microsoft reposit uh, Docker repository. And so you can use them in, for your own apps. And basically what they will and what they will try to do is uh, make have, make sure that the latest security patches are on there, uh, not just for .NET, but also for the operating system that you are running on, I think um, is, is another one, or just like the, the Docker container in itself. They will try to make that as secure as possible. And yeah, I, I mean, containers, there are, all over the place right now. I mean, we talked about running on ARM64, so you can get a cluster of Raspberry Pis running your containers on there. I don't know if that is the most efficient way of running um, your code on a Raspberry Pi in a container, but it can be done. You can make clusters. And having these things just ready from the get-go is, is, I think, really great. And so from my understanding, and I will get behind the line of Gerald and say, not the Docker expert that you might call up on in the middle of the night when things go wrong. Um, so I think one thing is improved scalability. That's always nice. They will actually reduce the size. So I heard that they are working on improving the native compilation, which plays a role in here. So like that apps have a quicker startup time. And another thing that the side effect there is uh, yeah, the reduced size uh, in the app package, which is actually quite interesting because I remember uh, that whenever you do ahead of time compilation for an Android app, it usually bloats up the app size. But yeah, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe they are doing some cool improvements there. Another one is uh, improved startup and performance in general. So yeah, I mean, that, that's always nice to say, right? You bring out a new product, it will run faster, it will run more efficient. I mean, what what's there not to like? Am I right, Stephen? Yeah, as we are all not container experts, so I, I feel like I don't have much to add to what you guys already said. Well, one thing that's very interesting that Mark mentioned is uh, me bringing up the Windows uh, containers, but you know, the whole .NET 6 thing is more and more, well, .NET thing is about um, going more cross-platform, right? So we already have the possibility to run a whole bunch of stuff on Linux. So, you know, it might not even matter um, at some point um, that we do or do not have Windows containers because we can just run all the stuff on the Linux containers as well, which is you know much more suitable for like the the, the small, short-lived kind of um, environments that containers have. So um, that might be another route, and that why the Windows containers are not really pushed for that much. Um, but who knows? Yeah, another thing that I really like about .NET six um, is. We, we mentioned it at the beginning. So .NET 6 will unify the platform. So we'll get Android, iOS, 
Linux, macOS, all of that stuff, all of that goodness that we had before will now be part of the .NET framework. And <clears throat> if you wrote a, an, app, an app for .NET standard 2.0, um, what you could also do is you could target specific platforms. So you could go in and say, I'll, I'm supporting .NET standard 2.0, but I'm also supporting uh, .NET Core 3.1. And what that would allow you is you could then say, if I compile against .NET Core 3.0, one, you could then use features that are only available in .NET Core 3.1. So, as an example, and you could do this multi-targeting back in the in the days of .NET Standard, but it was very limited. So, you could only do this, I think, for for certain Windows uh, targets or certain .NET and .NET Core targets, but you could not do it for, uh, let's say, Android or iOS. And you two are also library creators. And I mean, sometimes you just have to get that native implementation because some things just differ from platform to platform that you are on. And what's really cool with uh, .NET 6, what if you create a library, you can actually say that library uh, supports uh, .NET 6, so it will run on all frameworks, but you could also say, I am a net Android or a net iOS implementation. And what you can then do is you can provide different files or you could also make it in your code or or you could load different projects based on that that when you're running uh, or sorry when you're compiling against a certain certain target it will then choose that file and you'll get a native implementation and i think that's really cool i think before we had to use the bait and switch model uh there was also some extension that you can use today from claire novotny to do that to make this possible but this will be built into the framework so this is something i'm also really looking forward to yeah and i think that is kind of su uh, supporting the whole um single project idea that they have for dotnet value right because the idea is to have not like examine forms today to have a solution with uh, one project that is your shared code, one project that is your iOS um, app, basically the bootstrap, uh, one project that is your Android bootstrapper, and then you know the rest of the um, other things that you might have in there. Uh, but it will be just one project uh, that has all these things in one project. Um, and because of those different targets, like with the multi-targeting today, um, you can just you know specify, hey, I now want to run the iOS version of this thing, um, and it will pick out all the files um, that are targeted uh, for iOS. It will combine that into your app and um, go. Uh, and from a code perspective, that already works. Well, we need those new um, new targeting, uh, the new monikers, but. Um, from the other side of things, you know, with like the uh, resources and uh, the fonts, which are which are also resources, but um, the, the, the metadata, so your info P list and the Android manifest, uh, of course, they need to still figure out how to do that uh, to make that single project work. But um, I think this is a big step that is needed for, um, yeah, making making all of that work. Yeah, I think those are those are. Welcome additions, at least, uh, because if you look now at the, the CS project file changes that you need to do for it, it, it still feels kind of hacky. Um, you're basically just saying if the file name ends with this magic string, then include it into this type of, uh, type of project and all that stuff. It's, it's somewhat fault tolerant, I would say, but, um, once you have it set up, you typically don't really look back at it anymore unless you want to add a new target framework at some point. But um, yeah, having all that goodness baked in is, is definitely a nice step forward.
Yeah, that's true. I mean, whenever you do this multi-targeting today in your apps, it always feels like um, not anymore that beginner-friendly um, because, I mean, .NET, with .NET Core, the CS project got a lot easier to read because you only have the stuff in there that you actually really want to reference. And uh, when you do this today, I don't know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they solve it in .NET 6, but you literally just say exclude everything, uh, which is usually not the default is just include everything that you have in your uh, in, in the in the folders. And then uh, you say, hey, uh, depending on the compile target, just add the things. And yeah, I, I agree. It's a bit confusing the first time around. And if you haven't looked at it for three months, it starts to look a bit like a regular expression, which you then go like, I hope I won't break anything. <laughs> yeah. So so moving forward, what, when and where can I get my hands on this stuff? Well, you're lucky, Stephen. You can get it today from .net.microsoft.com. We'll put a sh link down in the show notes. And uh, yeah, you could you could install it today. Uh, though I, I must be honest, I I don't know if you can install it in parallel and or if that would do anything. But yeah, we, we might have to check that out and link that also somewhere down there below. We could we do that in a container. <laughs> yeah, you could do it in a container. Yeah, get, grab a .NET Core 6 container, do your development. I think speaking of the, the at least the .NET MAUI bits, well, of course it's all all one big bit now, but I think you should be able to run it in parallel because you know you can have the different SDK versions already with .NET five side by side. Um, but you know, uh, disclaimer: I can be held accountable <laughs> for the things yeah. that I say in general, um, so especially not this. Um, so you know, if I break your your development machine then don't go knocking i actually saw on some <laughs> mailing list that someone was trying it and uh the one person had it working i think and the other person was struggling with it so um anyway i i've been i've been wanting to try it i've been wanting to record a video on it uh, but i haven't looked into it yet so maybe you know next week then i did it i felt a little bit experimental felt like living dangerously maybe i did it by then and i'll report back to you and next thing we know, you get a haircut. Yes. Also, that would be very nice. Yeah, but the preview thing will end around... When was it again, Stephen? So it, it'll be released for production in November of this year, if all goes well. Um, so that is... What, what month are we in? March. <laughs> March 2020. January? I don't, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> It's probably November before you know it. That that is one thing that I. Uh, that's one of my takeaways of this global pandemic. Um, but yeah, play with the preview bits. There's probably more previews to come in the meantime, um, until we go live somewhere in November. So yeah, pick up those bits and take them for a spin. And I think that concludes this episode on .NET six preview number one. So we've been your hosts, Stephen Davison, Gerald Fleiss, and Mark Alibone. Let us know what you think of the new .NET preview bits and which features tickle your fancy. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at NullPointers.io. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe, and until next week on NullPointers. Pointers.